Hi. Did you know that everyone's a critic on Patreon now? There are a variety of different things that you can get with this, but if you subscribe from as little as £1 a month, you can get access to episodes a week early before anyone else does. You can get patron shoutouts, you can get ad-free episodes, and you can even get video podcasts if you'd like, if that's something you're interested in. To subscribe, all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Cove and check out the tiers, see if there's anything that interests you, and if you do subscribe, you'll be doing me a huge favour. One subscriber, Deb Green, thank you very much for your subscription. Deb described at £10 a month and she gets a Patreon shout out. So she also gets access to episodes a week early, so she's already probably heard this episode. And she also gets ad-free access to these episodes. So, you know, huge benefits from this. So if you want to subscribe, patreon.com forward slash Yanis Cove. Thank you. Welcome to Everyone's a Critic, a show where a guest picks a movie rated below 40% on Rotten Tomatoes and tells us why critics got it wrong. I'm your host, Yanis Cove, a formerly pretentious film school student who 10 years later sees the error of his ways. My guest today is the very funny comic, Dev Roberts. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. How are you doing today? I'm um, pretty good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, just been like editing the whole day so and then and then i watched the movie right right after that <laughs> well um a bad time and then a good time and now we're here sure sure we can say that <laughs> well i'm excited to hear what you think because I, I loved it <laughs> i've never seen the movie before i've seen a lot of j-lo movies before but i've never seen the movie made in manhattan which you which is what you're here to talk about but um yes. yeah how have, have you you've been working today haven't you have you just finished? I've been working and um yeah and then I put um yeah I'm at an appointment which is fine oh and um I'll finish up later oh okay what time yeah. is it now it's 3 45 okay in the afternoon okay <laughs> so you've had like a decent amount of work done then to be fair yeah and then like I have like a flexible I can kind of be flexible with my schedule too That's and nice. like get things done as I need. So mm -hmm. I've, it's fine to take some time off in the afternoon and then I'll go back to it after. What do you do as well? I don't even know what you do. That is actually a good, the reason why I wanted to talk about Made in Manhattan. Uh, ooh. I don't talk about um, my job on Twitter or in like my stand-up yeah uh, but i i work on political campaigns oh wow and i work for a political campaign organization and the reason i wanted to talk about made in manhattan is because it's about a political campaign and um this might be the only time i talk about my job in relation to comedy wow i, I really didn't know that like i i i don't know why i assumed you did but it was not that <laughs> Yeah, I work for a nonprofit and we sort of advise on political campaigns and I through that I train people how to run for office. Ooh. Have you trained anyone that I would I might have heard of outside of like anyone outside of the US might have heard of? Mm, um 
some people who like ran statewide in North Carolina are like the biggest names, but I don't know if um, anyone who doesn't live in North Carolina would be particularly <laughs> uh, knowledgeable or interested in some of these people. Well, one of my sisters went to um, UNC for a year. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I live pretty close to there. Mm. So yeah. is that? I mean, the, I the feel triangle. like she would know, but. <laughs> She might know if she was um, politically engaged when she was yeah, here or if it was so. an election year, she would have maybe known. It was 2019 or 2018 she was there. Yeah, then she probably, if she was here, then she may have heard some stuff, but um, that wasn't like a huge year. No, it was It was definitely not like the uh, the like uh, polit- the presidential 2020. election. Yeah, it wasn't that year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the 2018 election was on it's i was born on election day which is when i'm like don't believe in astrology and then i'm like well i was born on election day but i work in (laughs) politics and i have to sort of be like some things actually maybe are connected um but that in 2018 election day was on my birthday and i was just like really scared i was gonna be super sad oh and it was fine it the election ended up being fine my birthday ended up being fine so (laughs) it all worked out i mean that that does sum up this presidency it ended up being fine the longer you work in politics the uh, more you're like fine is great fine is all that we'll take fine (laughs) yeah I'm happy with fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess that's like, do you, are you um, kind of high up in the in the in the role then, or is it like uh, something that you're new to? No, I'm high up in the role uh, by now. I've worked there long enough that I've had a couple of jobs over the years, oh, nice. and now I'm pretty um, entrenched in the training department for training people. Cool. That's to really- put it in context for Made in Manhattan, uh, I would potentially have trained the campaign manager played by Stanley Tucci. Right. I thought you were going to say you were like similar to his role. Pretty, I've I've been in his close to been in his position, or I train people who are in his position. Right. I also train candidates. We don't train men; we only train women. Um, okay. And so I would have not trained Ray Fine's character, but I would have known about him mm. and probably been like, no one likes him behind the scenes. Yeah. Because that's sort of also a part of my job. <laughs> but I think people would have liked him behind the scenes. He's endlessly likable. Uh, in, in real life, yes. I don't know about in this movie. Well, because he's a billionaire and he's like, I, I'm, I'm a... Everyone in my family has been a senator, and He's now a billionaire I'm a Republican. Billionaire, billionaire Republican who um, is up for a nepotism seat. Yeah, and <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I his dad was the senator. That's what I my notes are like all over the place. But one of them is just like nepotism yeah. in all big letters. It was the thing that most stood out to me when they were like tell like giving his like description of who he is as a person. It's like, are you? trying to make him likable like i don't understand what you're doing here like why why have you made him a billionaire republican uh, with nepotism (laughs) well one of the um to me this is such a 2002 movie Mm. and one of the things that was really interesting to me when i rewatched this is how much in america 
I don't know what it's like in the UK, but how much in America, like what we have wanted from our like candidates has changed mm. because nowadays, if there was a billionaire nepotism kid running for a US Senate office, running uh, his campaign out of like a super fancy hotel, which would not happen, that mm. does not happen. People would have been like, no, he's not going to, he probably wouldn't have made it out of the primary. Well, here at least, Boris Johnson is in power and he's very much that kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> he's not, yeah. A, he's not a billionaire as such, but he's, he comes from very, very, a lot of wealth and is like, it's technically nepotism that he got into the position he did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think all of the last prime ministers of England you could probably say that about oh Most yeah of the ones who seem like they were around in my lifetime yeah yeah except for like maybe maybe Tony Blair but like even him he's he's like kind of uh, I don't know yeah it, there's not yeah I don't like any of them <laughs> no I um I agree in the sense that I am able to form an opinion I'm gonna come out as anti- recent prime minister on this <laughs> podcast you heard it here first wow um i was trying to think of who ray finds character i guess his name is chris chris to me is sort of adjacent to michael bloomberg right yeah 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 who's like was <laughs> is a billionaire was the mayor of new york and then just thought that he could become president in 2020 just by spending a bunch of money <laughs> Not and just a bunch of money, out. a whole lot of money. So much money. Um, the I guess like wasn't it like a hundred million or something? Oh God, I know. And he poached a lot of people from campaigns. From like he he got a lot of people from like good campaigns really? that were viable to go work for him because he paid so much money, which I can't um, fault anybody for because mm. like there's not a ton of money working on campaigns. Yeah, of course, there's not enough money to like no one no matter how much of a billionaire you are you would never run your campaign out of a fancy hotel like this it just wouldn't happen <laughs> the that's one like myth i want to bust right. here on this podcast is um campaigns are run out of terrible shitty hotel not even hotels like the saddest office building where like closets where the doors don't work when I was working on a campaign in 2014 mm. that used to be, it wasn't Obama's office, but it used to be an Obama office. Yeah. Um, there were bars on the windows and people used to do drugs and that come in from outside <laughs> and do drugs in the bathroom. Um, and I mean, all of that is fine, but it's just like a far cry from a fancy hotel. Yeah. Have you seen the movie? Um, definitely maybe. Yeah. But a long time ago, Because there's a scene in that. Well, there's a lot of scenes in that, but like uh, it, where they're in these like campaign offices for Clinton and those don't look great either. And I feel like that's a more accurate representation of what it was like from yeah, what you're describing. Anytime, anytime I see a political campaign on TV and they're people in a nice room looking comfortable, I'm like, that's wrong. <laughs> that's not how it's it like, is. We don't have the money for this. There's no money. I used to have to, on one campaign, we worked so much that I would take naps in the office and I used to take naps seated on two swivel chairs. So like no. with my body on one swivel, swivel chair and my legs on another swivel oh. chair and just like trying to sleep. <laughs> That's awful. Um, 
but you know there are there are some i don't there are some parts of made in manhattan that get political campaigns right mm. well let let first of all let's describe the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it um just describe the premise so it's basically a a maid uh a single mother she's working in uh in a hotel like a fancy hotel and this she ends up uh through like a series of of mishaps ends up uh mistaken identity yeah mistaken mistaken yeah it's a case of mistaken identity with this with this politician uh who's running for office and she um she's dressed up in like fancy clothes by just because she's put them on because she's like looking at them in the hotel room and then he thinks that she's this one person but she's not and so he starts falling for her she starts falling for him and then things go from there basically right and then he comes out that she was a maid and everyone was like but you're a maid you can't date a billionaire and she's like but i can date a billionaire yeah she's a not only that she's a latin maid a latina maid which is like right, but they describe thing. her as yeah. Mediterranean in one scene. Do they? Yeah, they're her. Um, I think she's. Well, I guess like when I thought it was interesting because at one scene, Chris, played by Ray Fiennes, this candidate for U.S. Senate, mm. describes her as Mediterranean looking, which I guess is just more about him. Yeah, that sounds being, like something like, they would say as well, though. Yeah. Um. But that does bring up an interesting thing because that I I did um, the movie The Wedding Planner on here, which mm, also stars yeah. J Also good. In that she's Italian, <laughs> right? For no reason. Well, she speaks Spanish in Made in Manhattan, so I think that yeah, yeah. yeah that's what, she that's is, why when right, you said they she... describe her as Mediterranean, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I forgot she played an Italian in Wedding Planner, and that's like the same year as this, or like a year before this, or something like that. That came out like within each other, within the space of a year. Um, yeah. One thing I want to say about that compared to this, there is no chemistry between the two of them in this movie. Oh, I wrote down good flirting like five times. Good flirting. <laughs> it's the it's like my biggest my biggest flaw of this movie is the chemistry between the two of them. <laughs> Do you think that there was more chemistry between her and Matthew McConaughey? Yes, but not much because I also don't think there's much in that. But do you know? But I think they're closer. There's like a you feel more of a romantic connection between the two of them. This this feels this one feels very rushed. And yes, <laughs> it doesn't feel like they connect on a whole lot, and then their chemistry is just kind of lacking the whole time. So I. I think that if you're comparing who is better at being in a rom-com, well, Ray Fiennes, who is also Voldemort, or <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, I think that everyone is going to across the board be like, yeah, Matthew McConaughey, he's a more mm. romantic lead. He's better at flirting. He's like a looser. Like, he's just loose in yeah. his, his body, whereas Ray Fiennes isn't. And this character is uptight. Um it's, I think it's supposed to be love at first sight. I wrote down at some point that this could have, if somebody had said that this was based on a Shakespeare play, sort of in like a she's the man type of thing, mm. I, w- I would believe it. Cause it's very like a case of mistaken identity. Um, 
you know, upper class, lower class. Yeah. Um, there's like a farcical element to it. Yeah. Um, and then it all works out at the end. Like I, if somebody had said this was Shakespeare, I would have believed it. Well, it's actually based on a true story. Okay. Which senator? It says that it's loosely based on the 19, in 1959, Stephen Clark Rockefeller, son of New York Governor Nelson Rockefeller, married Anne-Marie Rasmussen, a maid who had worked at his family's Manhattan hotel. Okay. <laughs> um, I totally believe it. Um, so it's like, of course it was the Rockefellers. Like, who else is it oh, going to be? Oh, of course. That, that well... Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about, like, rich Americans who think that they should be in office and spend a lot of time in fancy <laughs> hotels, like, that's yeah. that. Okay. At the end, when people were like, how how could you think you should, you could, you should be in a relationship with him? Mm. I was thinking, like, why shouldn't she try to be in a yeah, relationship with him? Yeah, why not? They like each other. Yeah. He's respectful. Yeah. I think he's nice to her. Yeah, he's he, nice. he never does really anything wrong in the, the movie. Kid. I don't think he ever does anything wrong, technically. Right. No, he doesn't do anything wrong. <laughs> he's never. He's really good with her son. Yeah, it's the first. It's like the first. The first meeting is like her, him meeting yeah. her, her son, played by Tyler Posey as well, which is very right. weird. I didn't. From Teen Wolf. Yeah. And I didn't realize until um, his name came up. <laughs> right. He's cute. That's a good kid. I thought it was um, like immediately. It's. Uh, he's very pro Nixon, which yeah, is a hot it's take. Another strange thing about this is like, there's like real Republican leaning vibes to this movie. It's super Republican, <laughs> and I think that. And then they're like later on, she explains that he's obsessed with the 1970s, and that's how he's pro Nixon. <laughs> but I think that there's so many other things that could have happened in, yeah. that happened in the 70s <laughs> so that things. he could have become obsessed with besides Richard Nixon mm. or you could become obsessed with like it should be anti-Nixon yeah he's but never yeah, he's so never shown as being anti-Nixon he's just shown as being like into Nixon <laughs> like interested yeah. in like what happened um I know just very strange like the whole thing is just like the kid is like the whole thing about him is he has to give a speech at the start uh, at school and he gives this whole speech about Nixon and then he like fumbles it and runs off stage because everyone's laughing at him right um, bombs. yeah <laughs> which I we know the feeling of like bombing I don't know if you do but <laughs> no I know the feeling of bombing <laughs> um and I think it's good to get a, a bomb like that in early when yeah you're young. of course but they never go back to it uh, again they never like no do they? Well, he has to make, well, so he has to make that big speech. Well, he doesn't have to, but right at the end when he goes to the press conference oh, that Chris right, yeah. is giving and he speaks in front of all of the reporters and he's really eloquent. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's supposed to be like, oh, Chris has taught him yeah. how to overcome his nervousness because he's so good with kids. Right, right. One thing I did like actually was when he's like, he, he goes down and he like tells him, um, Oh, I, to get over my nerves, I hold a paperclip because all the nervous energy goes through there. And like, um, who who is it he said that used to do it as well? Was it Kissinger? Yeah, Kissinger again. Yeah. These people. <laughs> I mean, if he's going to say anyone, he's going to say Kissinger or someone like that. But um, yeah, it's just weird. Well, that This movie but... was from 2002, mm -hmm. which is right after 9-11. Yeah. 
which is um, not to be all 9-11 on this podcast, but I think Republicanism was oh, yeah. better back then. Yeah. And so I think that's probably why it's so Republican, because it's like rah-rah America. I'm just trying to look up when it was filmed as well, though. Um, right. It, was, it could have been filmed like right after 9-11. So it came out December 2002. Um, it doesn't say, though, when it was filmed. But it, might, it must have been, like, yeah, like, a f- only a few months after. Because it, it looks like they film it over, kind of, the, like, winter period. So, mm. <laughs> Very strange. Uh, I think that's maybe what I blame the republicanism on. Mm. Well, do you know who, orig- who originally wrote the story for this as well? Which is another thing that will baffle you. No, but I guess, I want to guess John Hughes. Correct. Okay. How yeah. did you get that? I know he um, ghost wrote some stuff in like the in the two thousands and nineties that he didn't really take credit for. He he asked that his name be taken off of this. That's so weird because it's a good movie. But well, he said that it's like it doesn't reflect anything of what he came up with, basically. Gotcha. So he wanted his name taken off. By the time it came to the script, it was like completely different. But like, it's strange that he kind of. I don't know. This is one of the last things he wrote <laughs> or came up with a story idea for. He did this and then Drillbit Taylor and that was it. Yikes. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking at, look at his stuff from like the 90s onwards, it's just not good stuff. <laughs> he really captured a moment and then the moment moved on yeah. and he didn't move on as well as he could have. Mm. I also think that his stuff doesn't hold up as well over time now. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and then when you hear, like, um, the behind-the-scenes stories of, like, Judd Nelson being really yeah. mean to Raleigh Wing- Ringwalls, you yeah. just, like, feel sad about that. Mm. It's all stuff that, yeah. It's very 80s. And... Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he said he, he requested his, because it was had very little of his original script, which was originally set in Chicago. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and he used the pseudonym Edmund Dantes from the title character of The Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, and he used the same credit on Beethoven. <laughs> that says a lot about what John Hughes thinks about himself, that his pseudonym is The Count of Monte Cristo guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, a good movie would... I would watch a movie about, like, the Rockefeller guy falling in love with the maid i would watch a legit recreation of that well the other thing is that it was originally when i think i saw where is it it says something about that here um yeah it was going to be set in the 1920s when he was uh gonna make it and uh it was going to be hillary swank okay yeah (laughs) and then sandra bullock expressed interest and julia roberts passed on it Okay, I would watch. I would watch that. Mm. Like an Art Deco. Um, yeah, I would watch an Art Art Deco version of this movie. Yeah, one hundred percent. And John Hughes was going to direct it as well, based from his own screenplay, which is like that's a very different movie. Hilary oh, Swank, nineteen yeah. twenties John Hughes movie. That's very different to this. When I was watching this movie, I thought that it had a. Um, hard it was hard to place like the time for it because it was mostly people wearing uniforms and suits 
but they which had the don't flip really phones. evolve too much. Yeah, that's true. But they also had the flip phones. Right. Well, <laughs> the flip phones and um, anytime I watch one of these movies, like one of my notes is, is this ho- how hotels work? Like, I don't know. <laughs> At, like really fancy hotels. Do you get personalized flower arrangements? Oh, I left bet on you do. Pillow? I bet you do. And they know, like, oh, she loves lavender, so we're going to give her a sprig of lavender. Yeah, I guarantee there's stuff like that. I guarantee- I'll never know. <laughs> no one will no ever do that. What, I'll never what, be that kind of customer. You might work at a, you might work for a campaign that where it's, like, a very fancy person that then you'll like, discover that someday. And I would be like, you're spending money on yeah. the hotel that we need to spend on the voters. That's true. And you're not going to reach as many people. And then I would quit that campaign because they would be like, I don't want to. Actually, I would stay on that campaign <laughs> for the fancy hotels. I take that back. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you get to stay in them, though. That's the problem. Well, Jerry seemed to spend a lot of time in the hotel room. And I think I would be like, oh, I think I'm just going to like stay in like this suite to type up my notes yeah. and not go home. And then before anybody realized that I would be living there. And you'd get a better night's sleep than those chairs as well. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I would get a better night than whatever like whole yeah. apartment I would crawl into if I lived in New York. I would definitely stay in the fancy hotel as much as I could. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to say about Stanley Tucci as well, who's Je- the Jerry character like, how is he about 30 years older there than he is now? Like, how is... He, he looks the same. No, he looks um, older. He looks older? Well, I to think because he's playing someone whose job is more stressful than yeah. his real life. He looks terrible there. Yeah. <laughs> um, This movie has an amazing cast. Mm. Frances Conroy is, like, hardly in it, but she is in it. Bob Hoskins is hardly in it. Bob Hoskins um, is such a strange role. I know, and he's doing an accent, and he doesn't, he barely has any lines. Um, Amy Sedaris, I was so happy to Mm. be reminded that Amy Sedaris is in this, and I have a theory. Did you watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah. I think it's the same universe, (laughs) because Amy Sedaris is pretty much just playing Mimi Kanasas, except that she's not as, like, doesn't have, like, a screw loose, so I think that it's the same character... (laughs) Amy Sedaris's character in this like went through some hard times mm. and evolved into Mimi Kanasis, who she is in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, because it's basically the same thing. It's right after that workout, just yeah. Yeah, she gets in. She like J Lo says something really mean to her, and then like that's what makes Amy Sedaris's character snap. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was her at first. I thought it was the the girl that's always in like. Uh, legally blonde and white chicks and those movies that's always the best friend yeah judy greer no 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 not judy greer it's like um there's a there's a girl that's like always that looks like amy sedaris in in those movies that's um it's elwood's best friend in in legally blonde jennifer coolidge no 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 like younger than that way younger oh yeah okay i know who you're talking about but i don't know her name yeah i don't know her name she she was only the best friend i think in legally blonde and white chicks as well and white oh yeah she was in white chicks which i just (laughs) rewatched i just rewatched it for the podcast recently that's why i'm like that's why she's on my mind as well I love the Waynes brothers. They oh, yeah. um, are only ever do really good things. <laughs> um, so that does actually bring me to the a, a question I haven't asked you yet, which is how many times have you seen this? I saw it 
around when it came out and then I rewatched it when I was working on a political campaign. Okay. I think I rewatched it when I was working on a campaign in 2014. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. I didn't realize this was also about a campaign. And then I just rewatched <laughs> it for this movie or for this podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, so not much then, but you're still, you're still like a big fan of it. Yeah. I think that I was a big fan of it. I think I remember watching it when I was working on a campaign and being like, that is actually there are some things that are fairly accurate okay. from Stanley Tucci's character to working on a campaign. Yeah. And I like that because most most movies and TV shows get it really wrong. Mm. And so just getting it kind of right is okay with me. And I also um I think I, I like J-Lo. I don't, I'm not really familiar with J-Lo's music so much, but I am really familiar with her as a rom-com star. <laughs> and I just, in general, like her as a rom-com star. Yeah, I like her as a rom-com star as well. I think she's the best thing about the movie, which is like... I kept writing down, like I kept track of how many times I said he's so hot outside, out loud. Really? Because I'm just so attracted to, I, I think Ray Fiennes is really hot, like in general, <laughs> but in this, I think he's, I mean, they let him just be like a normal, hot, rich guy. Mm. And I just think I'm on board for that. Um, and I think that I'm able to, in my head, maybe go back to 2002 and be like, what a great catch but nowadays i would be like ew billionaires eat the rich <laughs> um, and i don't know they just kind of let him be charming and easygoing and like we said he does literally nothing wrong the entire time he yeah but that's that, that's so more like the, that he does nothing it's more to the thing the fact that he does nothing <laughs> last night when i was watching this and i was making my copious notes i was like this movie is a 10 out of 10 no <laughs> one does anything wrong why wasn't this nominated for oscars i oh, can't wow. imagine why why anyone would hate this movie but then i was like i was thinking about it there's like it's not very funny no not at all there's now there's no comic relief no it's very strange isn't it it's like very dull it's the it's the term, term i'd use for this movie like it's it's <laughs> It's pretty dull. The comic relief is, I think, supposed to be like the horny maid friend. Oh, really? Who's not <laughs> even that horny and not even like that. And barely in it as well. And barely in it. And she's mostly just there to be encouraging to J-Lo, but not in like a... Mm like a Judy Greer way who's able to like mm. be funny and then Amy Sedaris is like super underused yeah I wish they'd used her more but oh, also she could have been like a lot kookier also speaking of people underused Natasha Richardson's so underused in this that's who that is yes <laughs> are you trying to remember and who she it also was? doesn't do it she also doesn't do anything wrong either I mean she kind of does well okay at the <laughs> end yes and she is like out of touch but i also don't think that she is a person who would be in touch with things i think mm. she's kind of just like doing what that character would do but she's not like a big character yeah she's she should have been like meaner earlier mm. she should have been and mean then, yeah, the end when she like gets everyone fired um is bad but again i don't think that like she, she, they could have presented her as more evil yeah I think one way it's like the first thing they do, the first thing they do to try and make her seem evil is like the like the weird tipping she does to her. Yeah. But I think it would have been weirder if she didn't tip her at all. 
I think they should. She should have not yeah, tipped. Just like order her to go do something, and then like she's paying out of pocket or something like that to help her out. Yeah, and JLo didn't seem to be too upset about like the errand she was running, so no. it didn't seem like it was too like out of character. She was for only her upset job. once because she was going to be late, but then like the rest of the time she's fine with it. Yeah, and she was only late because of her son's speech. It was like it seemed like a normal normal day at work for her with like yeah. a demanding rich lady. Yeah, and not even that like kooky like she could have been weirder. She could have been um more like flamboyant, mm. but she also seemed sort of like old money, understated rich. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, no one really did. I mean, JLo's the one who did something wrong. Yeah, she, she stole lied. the dress. Right. Oh, and that outfit is also really boring because it's just like a white suit and a beige coat. Oh, yeah. You could yeah. have found something fancier or like uh, more dramatic too, or like sluttier or just like a more interesting outfit instead <laughs> of a white suit and a beige coat. <laughs> I feel like that was JLo picking that outfit as well. I guess I mean she looked really good, but it's the sort um, of stuff that she would that she wore around that time. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> she was like, "I want this outfit." Yeah, or I just had this outfit. She still kind of dresses like that. Um, I did think there was like a face sitting joke, which I thought was sort of raunchier. That's the raunchiest it gets, isn't it? The raunchiest thing, and also slightly more progressive than. Oh yeah. Um, I was expecting for such a pro Nixon movie, <laughs> and um. I was surprised by that. Yeah, I, but I, yeah, there wasn't the flirting was good, but it wasn't very sexual. No, I just had to look up the rating of it. It was a, it's PG thirteen, which kind of surprised oh, me. Yeah. It feels like it could be a PG, to be honest. Oh, it could have been PG. I don't remember any swear words. No. Um, the flirting was good, I think, just because like J Lo and Ray Fiennes are good actors. Mm. They're both very good. Yeah, they are both very good actors. Um. Didn't want to hear something disappointing though. Yeah, do they not like each other? No, it's well, no, not that. He just he said that he regretted making this movie. Why? I don't know. It's just that's all it says. Is it because he wasn't like British in it and scary? <laughs> Probably because it was it, the way it came out. I reckon. Oh, I think he did a good job. I wish that he had been in more romantic comedies. That's something yeah, I wrote down. That's true. I would like to see him, and I would have liked to have seen him in more rom-coms. Um, just not, just a better. They need a better matching. Like, I don't think they're a good match. Um, however, one weird thing is it's voted thirty-fifth, voted thirty-fifth among Britain's favorite rom-coms. Okay. <laughs> so strange. What's number one? I don't know. It, 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 Notting Hill. Oh, probably Notting Hill. I, I um, bet it's Love Actually. Oh yeah, or four but weddings. It's one of those Richard than... Curtis ones. Isn't I, it? Yeah, definitely Richard Curtis. Everybody loves Love Actually. I Ugh. think that's the worst Richard Curtis movie. I don't like it. <laughs> um, and I'm so big into Richard Curtis. He's you're like big. Huge you're big into like British stuff as well. Yeah, I don't think American stuff is as funny as <laughs> British stuff. Um, and I blame my dad for that. That's not my fault. I think that's just like too too much Monty Python too early. That is something, yeah, that's very, to get an American into Monty Python is quite a feat early. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> I was like a toddler and <laughs> clapping coconuts together. Um, and now I really only laugh if there's a British accent. Maybe that's why, like, if Rafe had been, if he had been a rich British guy mm. coming over and, like, the politics part wasn't in it, that could have been good. And maybe he would have been, like, 
um, a better, you know, maybe it would, there would have been more chemistry yeah. if he had been British. I think, yeah, I think why not make him British and make it like some kind of event that he has to go to there as opposed to like he's running for office in America, uh, in New York specifically. Um because like even the running for office thing, there seems no. It doesn't feel like there's any stakes to it. No, there's no stakes to it. He's in a primary. <laughs> um, some of the stuff that I do, like the thing that I think that they get right is Stanley Tucci's character mm. constantly hounding him, yeah. and being on his case about needing to do stuff. That's one hundred percent accurate. Mm. Um, they talk about needing to go to a League of Women Voters meeting, and that's that is so on the ball. Oh. Um, the only criticism I have for Stanley Tucci is a real campaign manager would just kind of hate their life a lot more than he portrays. <laughs> it's almost like he wants to, he wants to be chasing his candidate. Like he wants mm. to be nagging him and, um, the ambition is right, but he should be slight, like there should be like a haunting in his eyes that wasn't there that is in the eyes of every campaign manager I've ever met like they're too tired um he did a good job of looking really tired and um I think he he just could have like been more exasperated mm. right okay that's interesting you say that I was gonna ask if you felt felt for his character in this movie but I guess not <laughs> I did feel for him because the manager having to hound the candidate when the candidate gets ideas of like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to take a walk. I need to walk my dog. I can't, how many candidates have been like, oh, sorry, I can't like make these calls mm. um, that I need to make that have been on the schedule for days because I need to walk my dog. <laughs> that would, yeah, that would drive me crazy. I'm like, no, just please. This is the one thing we need. <laughs> I know it is like the can candidates are exhausted and they have so much to do, but also like it's their name on everything. So they kind of need to put the work in. Yeah. Um, my guess is that Chris, the candidate whose last name I cannot remember. Um, I want to say Mil Marshall, Chris, Chris Marshall. Marshall. Oh yeah. That, that took me out as well. Cause it's Chris Marshall is a famous actor. He does seem very <laughs> entitled. And so my guess is that he thinks that he doesn't need to work that hard. Yeah, I don't think he... And as evidenced, he doesn't because he ends up winning. So He wins. Oh, okay. Wait, the thing that I want to talk about the most is the word manager right? and how much they say it. <laughs> because of her. I wish that I had counted. By the end of the movie, I really regretted <laughs> count, not counting how many times the word manager is said. They also seem to talk about J-Lo becoming a manager in the way that people maybe talk about getting like tenure at a university or um, going into space if you're a pilot. Cause they talk about it in the way that like, nothing will be wrong. All of your problems will be solved. You'll get to do whatever you want for the rest of your life when you become a manager. Mm. <laughs> They even say at one point, like, when you're a manager, you get to make your own rules, which I don't think is accurate to being someone in management. I, so I got really distracted. I'm sorry, because I had to look up manager in the script just to see how many times it was said. How many times did they say it? What is your guess? A hundred and thirty. Fourteen. Fourteen? Yeah. That's not right. That's not right. Manage the word manager. Maybe it's management and 
things along those lines but manager is only 14. there are there are scenes where i think that they say there's whole scenes where they just say the word manager 14 times i thought so as well but maybe management in general but at the end they have management specific magazines yeah that j-lo is on the cover of <laughs> it's very strange do you know what in it is? All of- Do you know what it is? It's all in like one. I, I'm looking at it now. It's all in like one big chunk, oh, like it's like chunk of manager words, chunk of manager words, chunk of manager. That's why it seems like it's a lot. Yeah, and I like that she's ambitious and has a plan for her life. <laughs> I don't understand why everyone in the movie is just like so horny for managers. Yeah, it's very. It, <laughs> it's a very um, what's the term? Uh. No, I can't think of the term, but it's... I think it's it's fake that they made it up for the movie. <laughs> you think they made it up for the movie? I think they made up people making such a big deal about someone becoming a manager for the movie. Mm, I don't know. I, feel I don't like, know. I feel like there's people like that. <laughs> I guess they're. I guess I'm not very like. And I'm not as ambitious as uh, Marissa Ventura from this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, she's not really that ambitious. She doesn't want the job. She, no, she wants. She's been talking about being a manager for years before she applies. She doesn't. She doesn't friend, even apply. She doesn't apply, but um, her friend has. I to don't do it know. For I her. think she's scared of her own greatness. <laughs> scared of who she can be. Um, she's scared of who she can be in her own potential. Yeah, Which... and she needs Chris Marshall to tell her that she's worth more. <laughs> Do you know Chris the 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 actor Chris Marshall? Are you aware of who that is? I don't think so. So he's he's in Dogs. Um, he's in Love Actually. Um, so he's the guy that goes to America. That's what I thought. Okay, as soon as you said Love Actually, I thought he was the one who goes to America. Yeah, and he like he always comes up as the name for like the new Doctor in Doctor Who every time. Uh, but he's oh never, really? Yeah, he's never got it. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I have I can't picture him. I can only picture him from Love Actually. Like I can't picture like a modern day version yeah, of that's him. Fair. He he's like he was he's been around here for like years because he was in a TV show called My Family, which ran for like I want to say like 10, 15 years or something. It was ridiculous. And then um he was on a series of like BT commercials here. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like very big. Um so everyone knows who he is and <laughs> like Maybe he just has a good agent who throws his name in the hat I, for for that role. I don't think that I don't think would he, go to I him. don't think he should get it. I don't think he should get it. I'm not even a huge Doctor Who fan, but I don't think he should get it. <laughs> I, I fell off Doctor Who when Matt Smith was. I think that's when I was doing like a big rewatch, or I was doing a big watch of it, and I fell off um, during the Matt Smith years. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's about the time I stopped, really, as well. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't go back. I just I didn't go like all the way back. Obviously, that's no. too much. You mean you went from like the new the new version of it? Yeah, Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, and then to Matt Smith. Yeah, I think that's what I did as well, pretty much. Right. I think that's what a lot of yeah. people did. <laughs> that's what a lot of people did. The production value is a little bit hard. I oh god, I don't want to say that because I think <laughs> that's risky. But it's hard to sometimes watch bad CGI. Mm. And the um, Doctor Who series should get more money is the stance that I'm taking is they should get more money to do or they get too much money. Is that what you're saying? No, what they get 
they they intentionally make it like that basically they could oh, they could gotcha. make it but they they could okay. make it for look better and everything but they intentionally make it like kind of cheesy sillier yeah okay okay well then that's fine as long as they well they obviously know what they're doing i'm I not guess. i'm not <laughs> on a british person's podcast to rag about doctor who that is not how my day is going do what you Everything need to do i'm not England even like gonna be offended if you i wouldn't even be offended if you hated it <laughs> right but i don't want that like in the canon of my life right right <laughs> fair um okay so back to this movie then it's uh who like there's stuff in it that i just wish that he touched on more like the the whole issue with the the father that's not that that's not around for the for the for Ty. Um, yeah. All they get is like one phone call from him saying that he's he's in uh, he's like on vacation. Um, yeah. And like, if they're gonna make it a thing where like the father's an absent father and it's upsetting the son, at least like bring it up a little bit more than that. Right. Or I guess the son is like so thirsty for a father figure that he'll like manufacture one right, out of an elevator right. ride. But. Mm. And that's probably why he's so quickly, or that's probably why like the writer and directors were like, yeah, that's why he's so quickly glommed on to Chris Marshall because he just suffered a disappointment from his dad. But the disappointment from his dad was also really overshadowed by the speech that he gave. Yeah. So it's almost like you don't even really get his reaction to being- No sad about his dad because he's just like so sad that he did a bad job at the speech yeah it's just very strange um <laughs> i'm just thinking about like he's completely off of like the subject of that but i'm just remembering the opening and do you did you notice anything in the opening credits uh, anything specific that stood out to you i was just like this movie has a lot of money to get simon and garfunkel oh yeah there's that first of all um and i wrote down simon and garfunkel that's just a whole note that I wrote down, just the just the band name. Oh, that's one other thing, actually. They make it a whole thing about, like, uh, he's running into that music and everything, but then they it's like only at the beginning, then never again. Right. Wait, what did I miss in the beginning? So he's really into Simon and Garfunkel and Bread, the, the band Bread, and then, like, yeah. that's it. Oh, sorry, what did you miss at the beginning for the... Yeah. What? Oh, okay, so the in the opening shots there's a staircase in it and it's the staircase from joker and i was like immediately recognized it. i was like oh jesus christ oh because it's in the bronx oh yeah and she's not specific about where she lives no but it's it's very obviously the bronx and then like yeah there's a point where she where they go up to go for the bus they have to walk up that staircase as well i'm like oh god that's i never saw the joker don't don't see it So I, but I know the staircase because yeah. I, That's I, what I, mean. I live like, on the internet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I would have picked up on, yeah, they're, they're not specific enough about where she lives. I think that you're supposed to know that it's the Bronx from context clues and the fact that it's JLo, but because it's JLo, I'm surprised they don't mention the Bronx. <laughs> Especially at that time. Wait. Especially at that time. Yeah. Where she was only And it would have created like a more of a divide between like, where Chris Mitchell Marshall was. See, I thought in, they like, were going to do that more, and they didn't right. really touch on it beyond like she goes home. What you see her go home like once when she's fired. Um, yeah. And you see, yeah, but then she like immediately leaves again. So. 
Like, And she's, like, immediately, like, critical of him. Like, they just met. She's pretending to be someone else. And she's like, you need to spend more time, you know. And she's right. Like, I'm on her side. But it also is sort of, like, a harsh take for someone who you just met, who you're also lying to, who you also are romantically attracted to. Like, maybe you should just, like... Mm two out of three and be nice to them mm. and just be like sure like i'm also fancy like you <laughs> but he- here's my other thing though about the two of them so beyond like a physical attraction between the two of them what do they really talk about the the boy <laughs> right the kid <laughs> um and eventually management oh yeah management because <laughs> he's also manages things as a billionaire and <laughs> an assemblyman i guess yeah well he manages no i mean i guess that's what they staff. talk about like, that's what they talk yeah. about being in leadership yeah being on magazines wow what together. a connection they have there <laughs> well they're both natural leaders <laughs> she should have been his campaign leader that's what she should i was have. just gonna say that she probably had more in common like more in common with the campaign manager yeah She's probably. <laughs> what a twist that would have been if they, she ended up with Stanley Tucci. Right. It would have been a much better movie if there had been a love at first sight between her and Stanley Tucci. Mm. Mm. Looking his worst, too. <laughs> yeah. And then, they, and then she realized that she realizes she loves Stanley Tucci. And then he realizes he actually loves uh, Natasha Richardson's character because they have more in common. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, they probably should be together. Like, why does he not want to be with natasha richardson i think he just likes the other thing as well like i think they could they could have brought up like a whole thing about she could have been skeptical of him thinking it was just optics that she he was interested in her yeah i guess maybe he doesn't like her just because he likes j-lo so much and no that's what i mean he likes j-lo for optics Oh, yeah, there's not enough of that. That would have been... That would have... Stanley Tucci should have done more research. Yeah. (laughs) And then he could have realized nowadays that would be really good optics. I don't know if those optics would have been good then. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Also, single people, like, almost never run for office. That's true as well, yeah. That's a really strange thing, isn't it? Yeah, and then, like, the people I know who are single who are in office have a really hard time going on dates that's why i find (laughs) i think i can say this i don't know if you can say this on your (laughs) because you work in politics but like that's why i find the whole like cory booker rosario dawson thing i don't know if i necessarily believe them (laughs) it's it's just weird to be it's like the timing of that one was very strange yeah it just seems so hard to be an elected official. You're so busy and then also try to date. Um, and then it's just weird to be like, oh yeah, US Senator and a girlfriend. I mean, I'm I'm pro- I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm People fine. Should, yeah. Like, I'm not against yeah, it I'm happening. It, I just don't like, know if I believe the two of them. Right. And the wording of it is weird because you just so expect someone to have a spouse and like a happy family. <laughs> There are elected officials who don't have kids. I One of my former opponents who didn't have kids mm. got like a family portrait taken <gasps> with his nieces and nephews. No. So as to seem like he had children <sighs> and they weren't lying to anyone. They would be like, yeah, with his nieces and nephews. But when you're just but looking yeah, at a photo, a it's very clearly like a family oh, man. No. 
Yeah. That's a bit shady. Yeah, and like single, there's other stuff where people have been like, oh yeah, I'm interested in writing for this higher office. Mm. And other people have said, not me, other people have said, you're, no one's going to elect you because you're a single man. It's very strange, isn't it? It's like, it's such a strange, like, that, that, I guess it's like a trust thing that people have with like single people. I don't know. What is that? I think, well, I think pre, I think sometimes it's like, pre-modern era you don't want to come off as homosexual right right so you're like this is my wife and then like some of those people are secretly yeah gay yeah or uh queer um or interested in look seeing uh, the different side of things and then i like realistically it does seem hard to run for office if you don't have like a partner to lean on when you need it like it is really strenuous and difficult to do and like you i think you do need like a a close personal person to mm-hmm. um to to be a part of your circle to help you like we always recommend that for people um <laughs> have you ever had but... have you had people that you've had to work with that are single and then you're like it, then you start thinking oh no this is going to be hard no, this is going to be I a mean, challenge it it's well one it's more about like how much money you can raise and like the voters in your district than if you have uh, yeah, obviously like it's a, not like the be all and end all of a campaign, but I think like everyone who run, you know, people who run for office tend to be people who are able to like bring people together and do have like a natural charisma. Mm. So like the people who run for office, even if they're running for office as a single person unattached romantically, like they have friends, they have family, yeah. um, they have enough charisma that people like really like glom onto them. Mm. I did not really get that from Chris Marshall. No. <laughs> I don't think he would have excelled. One, he seems really lazy for an elected official. We know nothing about his entire... Like, other we know than, nothing yeah. about him. Uh, or I his think family. he's running... Yeah, or his family. They like... Well, we know that he's nepotism yeah, and that's, that he's that's got family it, yeah. money. Um, I think that he is coasting on name recognition alone. 100%. My guess is that he was well-known even before he became an assembly well yeah. because he always had like family money and yeah. Mike, he probably has the same he's probably like chris mitchell the third um and i don't he wouldn't go even as a billionaire he wouldn't go far without um the name recognition no. and also like that's one of those things when people were saying like oprah should be president oh, <laughs> oprah oprah can do so much more not president that's the other thing so isn't it yeah, and she can do so much more with her money. She can do so much more as a private citizen. And she's, like, got so much fewer, like, she doesn't have to worry about all that stupid shit. Mm. Like, a, a hot billionaire billionaire single dude like Chris Marshall should not be running for U.S. Senate. He should be, like, if he really wants to help people, he should just, like, throw a bunch of money at things. Yeah. But where's the fun in that for them? <laughs> But he, but he wants to. He wants the power. He, you know, it would have been cool if he had been like, "Oh, I have to fill my father's shoes," and like really yes. conflicted. And he's not actually interested in the job. Right, but he's like, "Oh, this is like my father's like just died, and his last wish mm. was I should be a senator." Just what like, I'm really looking for is love. To... Right, and he's like, "Oh, but I really conflicted," and then like J Lo could have been like oh, actually, you could not be a senator and invest your money in this, in the Bronx. Well, she does say, and, kind of say that to him at one point. Right. 
when there's that two hundred twenty-five thousand dollar plate uh, uh, party thing. Oh right, which I actually I. Or oh, two thousand five hundred. Sorry, not twenty-five thousand. Right, which is pretty cheap for a. F I thought that that was a pretty cheap plate for <laughs> a. Um, I've had to like put put on these sorts of events. Nothing like that fancy yeah. um, as that. But even for 2002, I thought that that's like not a super expensive for those people who are wearing $6,000 outfits Yeah. Um, and staying in that hotel uh, not... when he probably has a house in the city. Like he probably yeah. lives in the city. Yeah. I don't understand why he's staying at a hotel. Like $3,000 for a plate at a fundraiser is like small potatoes, I mm. think. Yeah. At the Met too. Yeah. At the Met as well. I, didn't, I missed it. It was at the Met. Like... Yeah, it was at the Met because I wrote down, is this the Met Gala? <laughs> um, but it's just a different gala at the Met. Right, right, right. And they film at the Met too. This movie had a lot of money. I mean, I'm almost positive they filmed this scene at the Met. Let me see what it cost. And then, um, yeah, it cost $55 million. <laughs> Yeah. And then they got two Nora Jones songs to play at the end. And I was like, oh my God, every romantic comedy in the early 2000s was probably like, fighting with each other to get those two Nora Jones songs but made in Manhattan mm. they got the rights and they did a really good job of using them um yeah they they really did they, it's it's it works in these movies actually in this movie um the music is good the music is good in this movie yeah um so I don't see anything about the Met but they filmed at the Waldorf Astoria for the hotel um and the oh production dates as well so filming dates 27th of april 2002 to 6th of june 2002 so they filmed right through like spring into summer right and that's yeah that's about like six months after 9 11 yeah. so yeah i think that's probably why it's so pro-republican yeah <laughs> oh dear <laughs> But they also filmed in I Chicago. Think they stayed... That's weird. Oh, I, I would have liked it in Chicago. They filmed in Chicago. Illinois... Oh, interesting. Strange. Really? Yeah. I feel like there's so many New York... Like, they go to that rock in Central Park. Yeah. <laughs> um... Which I would not climb in that outfit if I was J-Lo and I was wearing basically stolen clothes. And yeah, if I'm trying to hide the fact that I'm wearing these clothes ever, I would not climb that rock. I wouldn't climb that rock in a nice outfit on a good day, on my, in my own clothes. Really? And wearing white pants, I would oh, not Oh, yeah, wearing white, I would never climb that. Um, but I was just, the, the thing that made me laugh is that when they go up there, he's like, oh, it's so hidden from everything. And I'm like, are you serious? It's like the most visible place out of the whole of the park. Like, what are you talking about? Right. To me, that speaks to someone. He probably grew up on a apartment that, like, looks over Central Park. Yeah. And to him, that's probably like, oh, Central Park is my playground. And I know all these hidden spots like this big rock. But really, it's like he doesn't even think about like the normal people who use Central Park who aren't a billionaire. Yeah, uh, just, but it's funny because they, like, they go there to hide from the paparazzi. And they're like, he's like, this is my secret spot. And like, no, it's not secret. That's so, no. so first of all, it's famous. And it's so out in the open that everyone can see you on there. That's why it's right. so popular. Right, and if J-Lo can climb it in that outfit pretty easily, then, like, anyone can get up there and it's not secret or hidden. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that kid, like, J-Lo also works next to 
next to Central Park. Like she's probably explored Central Park. Like oh yeah, of course. Pretty much, like it seems she like she grew up in New York and she works next to the park. Well, I mean, even so Ty knows spent... the area. He's like, can, can we go see the penguins? Yeah, it was fun. Did you go to work with your parents when you were a kid? Uh, yeah, probably. Not that yeah. I don't remember it, but yeah. I remember going to work with my parents and like having a lot of fun. Right. Okay. <laughs> or at least like thinking it was interesting or at least being happy that I wasn't like, I guess, at home or at school. Yeah. And Ty's pretty bummed about it, but I wonder if he has to do it a lot. Probably. I bet he has to do it like weekly. Probably. It'd be fun. I guess, it, like, imagine, I guess maybe. Imagine that's your Saturday that you go go sit in the hotel. It's not really. Yeah. Like... But what do kids do anyway? I don't know. What are kids in New I York City? I guess now he'd be an iPad Kids in New kid. York City, what do they do? I guess he'd like run around with his friends and grandma. Yeah, probably. But he doesn't really have any friends either. That's the other thing. Right, because they all laugh at him because he bombed. Yeah. And none of it. Yeah, he doesn't have any friends. He has a pretty small life. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> well, she has a small life. Yeah. It's quite sad. They, they imply that she hasn't had sex in a long time. I think in like a really polite way. <laughs> I kind of forget how it happens, but like rom-coms are always about a woman mm. who hasn't had sex in a long yeah. time. Um, and normally like it's Judy Greer or another friend being like, you need to get laid. Like you haven't gotten a dick in a really long time. Yeah. Um, but here they're just sort of like really like subtle about it, which I appreciate. <laughs> but again, this movie could have had a joke if they had had like a character who was like really loud and annoying or if they had like a comic relief character being like, you need to catch a dick. Well, they don't say that to her, but they say like, her best friend does go like say something along the lines of like, doesn't she say like, oh, I got, I had sex last night or something like that. And she's like, oh, you've only ever got, she goes like, you've only ever got like pepperoni on the mind or something. Right. Oh yeah. And she calls it a pepperoni. Yeah. That's really embarrassing. I forget what the scene is, but I wrote down, they imply she hasn't had sex in a polite understated way. <laughs> one of my notes but it's also um, j-lo as yeah, well it's like I, that's not that's I'm no, sorry and that's not rom-com that's not like rom-comable to be like polite and understated about sex is um not uh early 2000s uh romantic comedy in america that's not how they do it um oh yeah the calling it a pepperoni is really embarrassing <laughs> it, yeah it, they just seem the, the thing about it when she says it it's like really naughty that she's saying it as well. It's just so yeah. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then she, she hasn't had sex in a long time. She can't say the word penis, and she calls it a pepperoni. But then when she she does have sex with someone, it's under false pretenses because she's lying about her name. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of it like that. So she can't say penis, but she can have sex with someone with like wrapped up in all these lies who she knows she's never going to have sex with again. So she's just going to like mm. leave him there thinking that she's someone else. Yeah. That's true. She's the one who makes all the mistakes. She does. Yeah. She does make, she's the villain. I guess she is. Even the Republicans aren't the villains in this movie. She's the villain in her own story, which happens to the best of us. Mm. Um, but still, I mean, if we're talking about people who, like, did something wrong, it's kind of her. It's only, I would say it's, well, her and then Natasha Richardson. They, they're the only two that really do anything. Well. I I might be pro-Natasha Richardson. I, or at least forgiving I get, I get her. her perspective. 
um, I'm pro the fact I'm pro her. I'm on her side with the fact that J Lo stole her clothes. She stole her clothes. It wasn't Natasha Richardson's fault that she got the lunch invitation. No. And she showed up for a lunch invitation. That's not her fault. And they had met before. Yeah. Um, and she really boldly and embarrassingly like kisses him on the lips when they first meet. And I don't even think that that's like a British versus American thing. That's like a weird thing that, that just she a did. Weird thing, yeah. Um, and the kiss was also awkward. <laughs> but you and, think like, we go around looking. kissing people on the lips? Yeah, that's what I know from British people. It's just a lot of mouth kisses. Yeah, that's all we do. <laughs> and then when she reports J-Lo, I kind of think that that's okay that she reported J-Lo. Like, she was wearing a... She was... I, I don't think that people who work in the service industry steal. She was wearing a very expensive <laughs> necklace that she shouldn't have been wearing if she was just a maid working in that hotel, like, to be fair. Mm. And then she did steal her clothes. Yeah. But she, she shouldn't have, like, there was no reason to go to the police. Like, it was all no. wrapped up. And that was too bad. And she got her fired, which is bad. Yeah. Um, but for her, I don't, again, I don't think that she did anything super wrong for someone with that much money in that role. It seemed like she was kind of just having a normal day. Yeah. It's expected <laughs> that she would do more. Um, she should have been eviler. And then I yeah. would have been, if she had been evil or cruel or, like, not tipped or, <laughs> even just like richer looking she yeah. also sort of didn't even look super fancy no she really didn't which is they should have had cruella from the cruella movie <gasps> as like natasha richardson so kind good. of like that sort of vibe that would have been so good isn't she in 101 dalmatians as well she is in 101 dalmatians <laughs> she passed away right yeah yeah okay yeah that was liam neeson's wife yeah she was liam neeson's um, wife and apparently she was friends she's actually was friends with um ray fines as well in real life because they're both like british people i guess they're all in the yeah. same like circles aren't Over. they <laughs> they seem i was i recently looked at ray fines not for this podcast but i <laughs> read his um well i look at him a lot <laughs> um but i read his wikipedia page right and he's like old money fancy yeah that makes sense yeah <laughs> Well, I feel like if your name is spelled Ralph, Ralph, sorry, and you go by Rafe, yeah. like you can't not be old money fancy. Like, oh yeah. If he was, if he grew up poor, he would have been Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> That's so true. I've never heard anyone else called Rafe. Oh no, Rafe Spall. Rafe Spall. Yeah, I was gonna say Timothy Spall. But isn't that spelt Rafe? It's spelt Rafe. Yeah. <laughs> He's in a cute TV show called Trying that I've watched on Apple. Oh. I don't even know that show. Yeah, I don't think anyone. I haven't met anyone. <laughs> Not that I know a lot that. of Apple shows, to be fair. Uh, I've just been alone a lot watching TV. Oh. So you make it through um, yeah. every time I'm like, what's a British show I haven't watched? <laughs> oh, it is a British show. Yeah, it's British. Okay. Hmm. It's cute. It's Interesting fine. that they it haven't was... really plugged it here then. Um, I don't know how Apple works over there. I don't know what they're doing they with Ted Lasso in England. Well, they barely plug anything apple related here the only like i'm a like i know ted lasso because like i'm aware of like t what tv is it like tv shows all over the world but like yeah it's not people don't really talk about it that's it that makes sense i guess they're i i i guess they're just like it's an amer i think they're really marketing it to americans they are yeah 
And then the, what's the other one? Me... Uh, Dickinson as well. They don't really plug yeah, that. Yeah, Dickinson. That's pretty American. Yeah. So, but Ted Las- somebody asked me if I thought Ted Lasso was a British TV show. I would say... And... That's a tricky one. I said no at first, but then I've changed my mind because they had a Christmas episode, which is very British. There you go. I yeah, that's a good point. We love a Christmas so they episode. Went up, yeah, they you love Christmas is different in England because we seems. don't have Thanksgiving. Okay. So it's it's the one big thing at the end of the year that we get to do. Gotcha. Like, in America, I mean, Christmas is, like, a big deal here. But in America, I don't think you'd get, like, a TV show that is currently on hiatus coming back to film a special Christmas episode. Right, right. Oh, like, yeah, we, lo- we love a Christmas special. Um, yeah. And, like, I, I always think, oh, if I want to write stuff, I, I, when I want to write something, I'm like, oh, do I want to write a Christmas movie? Do I want to write... <laughs> I mean, there needs to be more good Christmas movie. I would love a good British Christmas movie. I haven't seen one in a long time. I can't think of a good... And that's me being really mean to Emma Thompson, who I adore. <laughs> Are you talking about Last Christmas? I am talking about Last Christmas. <laughs> My friend's in one of the scenes of that movie. Your friend is an amazing actor. <laughs> no, I think even he's aware that like it's not a great movie. <laughs> Oh, but he did a great job. Yeah, yeah. Remind me of who know. that is. <laughs> um, your friend. Yeah, yeah. Your buddy, your guy, <laughs> your mate. Um, he's got a first name and a last name, and he's great. He's he's the um, he's he's got like barely any lines, but he's in the scene where um I don't even know if you remember the movie, but like basically when she has the one night stand at the start, he's that guy with the fish. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. I do remember that. Well. The movie is not, the movie doesn't hinge on him. No, of course not. And I, who cares? I would take a couple lines in a yeah. bad movie also. He said Emma Thompson is the nicest person as well. Of course. Yeah. And Amelia Clark seems fun. Yeah, she's I very nice. Yeah. yeah. Apparently I she's really friendly. And, like, yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, um, but there could be, and like Love Actually, I don't think ages that well. Love Actually is aging um, worse and worse over the years. It's aging worse and worse. The women in that movie are not but that's Given that's Richard Curtis all be. over. I, okay, we maybe like maybe we'll come maybe like I can come back and one day talk about Richard Curtis if you ever wanted Ooh. to talk about Richard Curtis. Well, actually, this might lead into like the final segment then. Okay. Um, but have have we talked about everything in Made in Manhattan that you want to? Okay, let me like flip through my notes. Um, okay, one thing I thought was weird is like the um the horny friend knows J Lo's like clothing and shoe sizes. I don't even know my clothing and shoe sizes. Um, that can't be true. I mean, it's different for like so, like every oh, clothing right, yeah. store. I feel like is different. Yeah, I know what you mean there. Um, okay, like I do think this was well casted. I I disagree with you. I think the flirting was cute. Um, well, the, I wrote the sex scene is perfect. Nora Jones. <laughs> uh, um. Uh, just... Yeah, basically, I think I talked about. I feel like I have gotten to the crux of Made in Manhattan. Yeah, okay, well, I'll say this: we haven't talked about the rate, the, the actual rating of it yet. So yeah, it was thirty. It's thirty-eight percent on the tomato meter from the critics, which is like just borderline. Uh, before being in the being too good for this show. Um, maybe because it's boring. 
it's not bad it's yeah. a good movie it, it again it's a tight script it's a very tight script yeah it works it's like very to the point for each scene it's like nothing wasted i would say yeah i would, I would say that um but the audience score what do you think that is i think it was way better and i think it was in the 60s it's only 43 it's barely higher yeah. Oh my god, I think people were still really sad about 9-11. That's awful. I just think that this movie is good. And I think, I I wrote down, this is Cinderella. I believe in their love. Uh, It's a 10 out of 10 from me. I just think, I really think that this is a good movie. Well, Well, here's one thing that might make you happier. The Wedding Planner only has 17%. So this is like over double oh and the wedding planner i do not think is a good movie (laughs) after i mean upon a rewatch i think like it it yeah i think i don't think it's that good i don't think it's a very good movie either Um, this is a better movie i mm, i don't know i think they're about even (laughs) this has a script that makes sense everything wraps up nicely it's also like a lot of like elements i think that are like traditional elements like a mistaken identity mm. and like a farcical thing and like highs and lows i really think it's shakespeare in modern day here's what here's what i will say then okay the wedding planner is funnier but this has yeah. a better story yeah okay perfect <laughs> i agree entirely matthew mcconaughey's a funnier actor than ray Fiennes. oh yeah the wedding planner has too many like ridiculous moments as well that like i'm like oh, i can't get on board with the sh- this the shoe in the this is like a believable movie where real things happen to yes, real people yes this is more serious and yeah um in fact you know what it's not even called a rom- rom-com on on the thing it's just says romance it's purely a what romance is- movie it's not normcore but what is the mumblecore mumblecore yeah it's almost more of like a mumblecore movie <laughs> oh well imagine if they made this a mumblecore movie oh um because it nothing it's not like lol funny yeah the sex is like pretty blah there's not a ton of chemistry between anyone mm. even though i do think the flirting is good and i love this movie but it is more mumblecore than rom-com <laughs> It definitely is. It's yeah. There's no. I would say they could take out all the comedy and it wouldn't matter. Yeah, and there's so many funny people in it. Like Amy Sedaris. Amy Sedaris is Hopkins. so funny all the time, and like even in this, it's not. I that I just can't believe that you have Amy Sedaris. Why would you waste her you like don't... that? Yeah, and it's not like she wasn't known at the time. No, she was Amy. She's always been known. She's Amy Sedaris. Yeah. <laughs> um okay so let's let's move on to the final segment then if you've like yeah. if you've covered everything I feel good. yeah okay good so let's talk about the reverse of this then which is do you have a movie that's universally loved by critics and fans that that you think is actually a bad movie the graduate Ooh, solid choice it's a terrible movie terrible movie yeah <laughs> what makes you say it's a terrible movie so I watched The Graduate when I, like after college, when I lived with my parents again, um, like the best of us do after college. And I remember my friend who like m- one of my best friends who like lives in that town, mm. she and I were kind of watching a lot of classic movies mm. just to like 
be like, oh yeah, I've seen The Shining. I've seen, <laughs> just like run through the class of movies. So we watched The Graduate and almost like immediately, I remember being like, what is going on? He's, I haven't seen it since then because I hated it so much, but he, he's like a predator. Yeah. 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 I know what you're he's saying. A predator. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Because he, I think he stalks Anne Bancroft's character or he stalks the young, stalks the daughter. The daughter. Yeah. He stalks the daughter and then she won't like give him the time of day, mm. right? And so and he has he sex with up, her mom. Then he ends up with the mom. Which yeah. is not normal or good no. to have sex with the mother of the person who you're romantically interested in. And then they end up together. They kind of end up together at the end. Like she blows up her whole life for this to be with a predator. Yeah. And then he kind of is like what they're both like what did i do because he's like oh no what did i do i'm a predator mm. and she's like what did i do i'm with a predator mm. i do like the consequence at the end there with like what did i do what did i do yeah that like final yeah. scene is very good i when i first saw it i loved that movie over time and i've as i've grown up i've gone off it <laughs> and i see like yeah. I, I i've learned to see like oh, this is actually not a good story. This is a creepy story and he's not a good person. Yeah. With a different score. Cause I know, well, oh, I the think that's another movie. Oh, the score is amazing. Oh, right. Cause again, it's also Simon and Garfunkel yeah. just like made in Manhattan. Oh. Um, with a more eerie score, it would have been a horror movie, but it's <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. So it's just like, you know, like loose and, having fun or if it had not been if it had been in the woods and not in southern california mm. it would have been a horror movie i think a different yeah it's a horror movie. i think between the the, the soundtrack and the direction is what yeah. is what does it the direction is very very good at it as well um yeah and i think the performances are good i just think yeah like, the story yeah. doesn't hold up over time now um it's a thing that like we kind of overlook like people overlooked when it came out i feel like yeah. And it's only re- it's only really a thing that in the last like 15 20 years that people are kind of like uh that doesn't really <laughs> but like no one talks about the graduate like people talk about woody allen movies now and they're like oh wow now if you think about a woody allen movie he's actually a huge creep and that's a big problem but because like the graduate is with like a lot of that's people what I was who say. people still like yeah. it's like we're not going to worry about the fact that he's a predator although dustin hoffman yeah. I think he's fine. There was there was a couple of things that came out about him, but I yeah, remember, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's no Woody Allen. No, Def- there's definitely the different levels to it. <laughs> right, and everyone in that movie is an adult. Yeah, but it's still on a lot of like the best movie ever made, or people like really talk about it as like their favorite movies. Mm. And I I don't think it's aged well enough to continue to make it on those lists, unless we're like, oh yeah, the music's good, mm. the cool. Um, houses work are great mm. the direction is good but again it's like the script is bad because it's about a, a bad dude mm. i'm curious what it actually has on here as well i'm gonna guess it's like close to 100 oh yeah i think i'm the only one who feels this way okay it's 87 pretty good it's pretty good it's not as high as i was expecting actually yeah, that's true. I guess I kind of well, I wasn't alive when it was released, but I, I always <laughs> you weren't born in sixty seven. I was not. I was not born or um, able to watch movies in nineteen sixty seven. 
Um, my parents had not met. But, yeah, I guess I assumed it was always, like, widely super popular. Yeah, it was. And it still is, I think. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it should be popular anymore. Yeah. Is my take. Although, I'm looking at this, and there's a couple of reviews from 2020, and they're both bad. I wrote them. <laughs> you work for the Los Angeles Free Press. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's my side hustle. It's one of my side hustles. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I I agree with you. I know what you're saying now. Like, it's not one that I would have. It's one that I definitely enjoyed a lot as, like, a teenager. And then like now I'm like, Ugh. but then I also, I don't know. There's a lot of movies I loved as a teenager that I, I still see the merit. I still see how good they are, but I don't like. I'm creeped out by them now. Like Taxi Driver as yeah. well. I really enjoyed as a teenager and now i'm kind of like oof I, which uh, movie taxi driver oh i've never seen that so it's it's a very good movie but yeah. everything associated with it and you know like oh right because jodie foster plays a child prostitute yeah right is that the movie right yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's not good he's also very <laughs> he's like he's kind of an incel in that movie um yeah yeah, it's a creepy movie, but I I get the I get what they're doing with the movie, but like it doesn't over time. I'm just kind of like a little bit like I'm glad I didn't go down that path of being like obsessed with those movies like Fight Club and you know oh, Joker yeah. and like I, I, that could have taken me down a very different path. <laughs> I think if the graduate, I think it almost is it supposed to be a comedy. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's supposed to be a comedy drama. It's not that funny, but Mm-mm. I think that if it had, if that story was kind of trying to get made today, it would not never be able to be a comedy and it would have to be a drama. And then he'd have to be kind of like an incel, yeah, right? Yeah. To stalk a woman and then have sex with her mom. Like it'd have to have like incel vibes. Yeah, definitely. It's so strange. Like also like the the other weird thing is like, I think this helps the, I, I think this is what helped the stories, the fact that they're not actually like that far apart in age because Dustin Hoffman was like a lot older than he was appearing in, and Anne Bancroft was a lot younger than she was appearing in the movie. Yeah, and he's supposed to be a college grad. Yeah, She's like 14 graduate. years older than him or something in real life. Oh, wow. And then the the woman who plays like the bride at the end, she's age appropriate, I think. I think so, yeah. I think everyone was, yeah. was age appropriate. Catherine Ross is her name. I'm looking at up how old hmm. she is. But Dustin Hoffman kind of has like an old looking face, no matter mm. what age he was. Oh yeah, she was 27. So like, <laughs> maybe if they had cast people who were like age appropriate, that would have been different. But also, then it would have been hard to watch like a woman in her maybe early 50s mm. having sex with like a 22 year old. That doesn't. I mean, but that's supposed to be, like, sexy. That's not supposed to be problematic. Well, okay, she was six years older than him. Aw, that's sad for her. He was born in 37, so he was he was 30 years old. She was only 36? Jesus Christ. 36. And, she... and she's probably playing someone in her, like, early... She could have been playing someone in her early 40s. Yeah, because he's playing younger as well, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, you think, like, oh, she... He's playing 18 like, or something, isn't he? No, 22, maybe? Something like that. 
22 and then like if you're thinking about like someone who had a baby in the 50s yeah. a woman who had a, ba- a baby in the 50s she probably had a baby when she was like 20 yeah it's a lot younger back so, then wasn't it so yeah that makes sense yeah so she's probably she's age appropriate D- dustin hoffman should have been they should have cast a younger person i think if they wanted to make it work mm. But I think that it did work. I think that that's the problem with The Graduate is that everybody thinks it worked and I'm the only one who doesn't think it really works. Yeah. Well, sure, it's still with, like, your opinion. If you don't, if you think it, if you're kind of creeped out by it, that's, that's fair. Yeah. And it's, it's like a not, it's like a perfectly fine statement to be creeped out by it. Like, there's not, like, it is creepy. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think that I'm, uh, I think I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I think you're right as well, to be honest. Yeah, I don't. I think it should maybe have less of a good reputation. Mm-hmm. I, it should have a worse reputation in 2021 than I think it does. Right. But people don't want to analyze it. I don't like, think people are looking favorite. back on it either, though. No, That's, right. So I think none of the people involved. So wait, 67. So I reckon in 2027. So like, what's that? I know oh that's like 60 years. I was gonna say 50 years. From, but they've already had the 50th anniversary. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a Mike Nichols movie, right? Mm-hmm. And he died. He died recently, didn't he? He, he died, like, re- fairly recently. And he also died sort of, like, popular and good. Mm. So I don't think anybody's gonna, gonna go back through his uh, works and pan them and be like, you really fucked up, dude. <laughs> Especially not that one. Yeah, not for, no, not, yeah. So I think this is, like, I'm going to be, for the rest of my life, alone in how much I don't like The Graduate. No, I think I think it's going to come around to that eventually. I, well, I have a feeling. There's so many, people spent, I mean, there's so many worse people to talk shit about. Oh, yeah. worse movies. Yeah, absolutely. Than this. It's just, like, I've gotten, you've given, generously given me this platform. I'm so happy. <laughs> um to come out as an anti-graduate um and wow anti-graduating i can't believe and i know everyone should stay i mean i tell i've told my interns not to graduate to stay in school forever <laughs> okay so with that uh that brings us to the end so thank you so much for doing this um yeah i'm thrilled how can we find you online and do you have anything you want to promote at the moment um, I don't know how many listeners you have in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, we might have but some. I don't know. You, some, probably. Okay, cool. If you are live in North Carolina, I'm on mics and shows around town. Um, but if not, I'm on Instagram at Dev Roberts. And I don't really use that that much, but I'm on Twitter all the time. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. As we all are. As we all are. Every comedian. At- <laughs> I know it's um and it's a real addiction and then when you make friends on it it's like you can't yeah. stop using it um at dev the band with three v's and yeah there i am great well thank you so much dev thanks so much i'm happy to be here that's the end of the podcast if you enjoyed it please leave us a review and rate us on itunes so we can end up making more episodes and i'll see you next week for more movies that critics got wrong